seeing someone who you, you can look up to or, or, or respect for their accomplishments also have to work things out is quite a, a unique position to sit in where there's like a lot of vulnerability that is on display. Welcome back to 40 Minute Mentor, the podcast on a mission to raise aspirations and inspire the next generation of category-defining founders. From purpose-led entrepreneurs to Olympic champions, you'll learn firsthand from today's successful leaders on what it takes to be brilliant, all in just 40 minutes. As a loyal 40 Minute Mentor listener, you'll know how passionate we are about the power of mentorship. In fact, that's the main reason we started this podcast all those years ago, to raise aspirations and make mentorship more accessible to everyone. Even though we share tons of mentorship in every episode, the team and I thought it was a great time to sit down and get a deeper dive on the topic of mentorship itself. What are the different forms of mentorship? How can you find a mentor-mentee? What are some of the do's and don'ts when it comes to making the most of a mentorship relationship? And what learnings and opportunities can come about from being a mentor or mentee? To answer all these questions, we've invited some awesome mentors and mentees onto the series to tell us all about their experiences. The brains behind 40 Minute Mentor, our producer and head of marketing, Hannah Urbanek, will be also joining us to ask some questions and share her experience as well. First up, we're joined by Varun Vasant and his mentor and former 40 Minute Mentor guest and a great friend of JBM, Freddie Ford, the founder of Patch, the commuter co-working clubs for the work near home era. Varun and Freddie have a unique mentorship relationship as they're not just mentor and mentee, but also co-workers at Patch. So I can't wait to explore their dynamics and for them to share their mentorship advice with you all. So Baron and Freddie, thank you for joining us. I know lots of exciting things have happened at Patch and I just wanted to say a big thank you because I know how busy it is, but thank you for joining us for this special episode and especially a second thanks to Freddie for doing it for the second time. How are you both? Yeah, doing well, thanks. Doing well, thanks for having us back. Yeah, good, thank you. Good to be here. Well, we're going to dive deep into your mentorship relationship. But before we do that, we really want our listeners to get to know you a bit better. So Varun, starting with you, given this is your first time on the pod, can you give us a one minute whistle stop tour of your CV, please? I uh, studied philosophy and politics at university um, after uh, or during which actually I ran a non-profit social impact organization called Opportutoring where we um, taught English to refugees. Um, I then did a bit of research on decolonizing curricula within political sciences. So published a research paper looking at how to widen the canon, was interested in finding an opportunity that kind of supported marginalized voices, came across Patch, which uh, is why we're here today. So kind of met Freddie and really thought there was a lot of value alignment in terms of what Patch is doing and what I'm interested in and care about. Thank you. And Freddie, for those that didn't hear you on the podcast before, do you mind doing the same? I started out as the student president at my uh, student's union, and uh, which which is amazingly a job for a year. And someone said to me recently that Patch is a, is a sort of slightly um, extended yes. version of my trying to rebuild that experience of a place where people come to work, maybe they come to have fun, they come to meet each other. So perhaps that explains it. But after that, I went into management consulting and then I went into early stage startups as an operations and strategy person typically I spent some time entrepreneur first spent some time in hospitality and then started patch during the pandemic although the idea really has been floating around for at least five or six years thank you very much tell us about this meeting how you both came to meet and how did your mentorship relationship develop? Was it a natural evolution of like an existing relationship? Tell us a bit more. Both accidental and deliberate. I mean, accidental in the sense that 
we met when I was looking to hire the first employee to patch. So I suppose you could say that, you know, Varen and I hold a number of different relationships, but the kind of first order in the timeline was Varen applied to a job and he got the job. So he started as an employee, if I put it that way. But I think this is the first company I've ever started. And I think it's first substantial job that Varen had since leaving university. So we were both exploring a relationship um, new for the first time. And I think there, I, I very quickly recognized that there's a lot of bravery for on Varen's part for doing that. I mean, he could really have started his career wherever he wanted. And uh, to go into the unknown, join a company that didn't really seriously exist other than having had a small fundraise uh, and a convincing investor deck, felt to me that, that I had an onus, a responsibility, not only to build the company, and that's always going to be my first priority, but also to help this person uh, not only develop as a leader within Patch, but also um, develop within his own career. Because I just thought I've seen far too many people, particularly earlier on in their careers, although not exclusively discarded by startups who are so focused on themselves and their own growth. And sometimes that doesn't go right. And, you know, people kind of um, can be um, put to one side in in the name of growth. And, And I just felt like there was a a very real bargain being made here. Yes, there's a sort of employer-employee relationship, but I think there was more of a kind of emotional trust relationship here that I felt like I wanted to contribute back to. Given that I had benefited so much from uh, my own from guidance uh, in my own early career, I felt like I had a, resp- a dual responsibility to help Varen develop in as far as I'm able to, to help him do so. Um, so I suppose he became a mentee as a function of uh, being the first employee. Love it paying it forward and yeah sadly I've seen lots of people not have the mentorship that that they should especially in the early stage starters where you kind of give your all and everything it's always very sad when sort of the the founders or, or leaders in the business don't take that side of it seriously that duty of care and I think knowing you as I do um, I'm not surprised that you took that approach. Varun how would you describe the nature of your mentorship relationship and how does that work day to day do you have structured sessions with agendas or is it very ad hoc in its dynamic? I think it's quite an informal relationship I think given that we have structure around the working relationship the mentorship comes at like it ebbs and flows um there'll be periods where that I might need a little bit more support or just like quite interested in exploring a few questions periods where you know things are busy or I'm just you know not in there like don't necessarily need um structured sessions Uh, but generally I think it's just conversation like I think it's two people who are quite generally quite inquisitive exploring questions together which I think is quite fun um, and then I guess occasionally Freddie and I once a quarter, roughly go for dinner where it's kind of like no work chat, or at least we try not to have any work chat. And it's kind of more like informal and just like catching up really, um, which is very, very nice. And I think that's exactly what I wanted to hear almost. I think a lot of people that maybe listen to this or uh, that I come across that are thinking about a mentorship relationship think it has to be this incredibly formal thing. Whereas actually some of the best mentors and mentorship relationships I see, it is much more informal and organic. And I think mentorship does come in different forms. So that's that's great to hear. I would go further and just say that that is, I think successful mentor relationships do have many dynamics because I think fundamentally it's about trust Um, and and I think creating the environments to have those different scales of conversation is very important and I think if you overly formalize things uh, it can be I think both difficult to establish a a free conversation where you where you feel comfortable saying the thing that needs to be said but I also think that uh, you can limit the conversation I really think kind of limit the trust it feels like you're both having to I mean, why does formality exist? I think it probably exists to create a structure in absence of, of another structure. So it gives both people handrail. 
But I think that you need to look for ways in, in which you can stand on your own two feet. There's different modes that Baron was describing, uh, I, I suppose, are trying to get to that. We don't always get it right. And there are times when we're in an inf like a very, very loose informal conversation. And I wonder whether I'm doing the right thing, because there is also a you need to be able to deliver harder messages, I guess, at, at certain times. But I think as you develop that trust over time, I think you find the right places to move into those different modes, because, of course, you can you can destroy that trust pretty instantaneously if you, um, if you deliver the wrong message at the wrong time. Very true. That's a, that's a really great point. Uh, I mean, Freddie, you've already alluded to sort of why you became a mentor or, or why you felt it was a sort of duty of yours as an early stage rounder uh, and with Baron at this stage of his career to play that role. But I'd love to know if are there any other reasons as to why you were motivated to become a mentor to him? And what would you say the benefits have been from being a mentor for anyone out there who is not currently playing that role, but maybe is thinking about it? It's, it's understandable and, and desirable and, and easy to kind of overly label things. I mean, I don't consider myself a capital M mentor. I don't, you know, I don't have the sort of scouts badge. You know, I haven't got a course. I don't put it on my LinkedIn profile. Like, well, what does it even mean? Right. I mean, I think it just means being a critical friend and being in, interested and supportive of somebody's professional development. I have, quote unquote, form, more formal mental relationships through an organization called Be Inclusive Hospitality, which uh, about um, in, increasing diversity in, in the hospitality industry, which I consider us to be in, in. That does have structures around it. And, you know, that does have a capital M, so the mentorship. But thinking of myself as a mentee, I, it's somewhere between a friendship and, and professional guidance. You know, it's many things. That would be my starting point is that I don't, it's not like a switch that I turn on and, you know, there's a cache in my brain. It's just part of a permeable set of relationships that I have and there are some people for example there's uh, somebody on my board who is in no particular order a friend an investor a board member a mentor a former boss um, and I hope someone that I get to work with uh, alongside in the future equally I have mentors who I maybe see once every two or three years I've got a couple of people in mind that I've been talking to since I moved into the world of the, the kind of broader world of I suppose you might say property and that is more formal and that is kind of over a lunch and there that is kind of diarized and you know whatever it might be the way that i have gone about um, the relationships i have in my life so i don't kind of have this switch that says right i've got to be a mentor to baron because it earns me points for some other reason it's just a broader approach that says if you are generous if you give then people will give back i guess that's like a broader life philosophy and it sounds maybe a little bit sugary but that is just kind of what i believe and it, and it, seem, it seems to work for me Farron, I know this relationship came about to some extent from both of your curiosity and desire to continue learning and supporting each other. Uh, so you didn't necessarily actively seek out mentorship, but it just sort of came about in that way. As that relationship was starting to form, what were you hoping to gain from a mentorship relationship? At least for me, it's not really a, I don't think of it in separation to everything else. Like it's, it's kind of in conjunction with how I think generally I'd interact with people, you know, I mean, informally the rest of our team, I've learned like tons from, um, just because, you know, the words that they use based on the experiences that they've had, I kind of start to like learn by osmosis. And, and then there's like guidance that comes through just asking questions in kind of like informal conversation. There wasn't like a particular objective that like helps anchor these conversations and that we're like striving towards necessarily, but I think it's more whenever I'm like curious about a particular issue or thinking about my own like personal development and how to maybe structure it, it's just helpful to have like a few people to run ideas 
past and like bounce off a few ideas. I mean, Freddie is one of those people, but, um, and so like in the capacity of a mentor is very helpful, but he's also very helpful as like a boss. There are like lots of people in my life who, depending on what the situation is, I might ask for ideas in because everyone's kind of got different vantage points. And so you can start to arrive at a place that feels kind of right for, for me. I think it's essentially just a, a sounding board and like hearing a new perspective because, you know, more experience and uh, yeah, different life experience, I suppose. I once described myself to uh, someone, I don't know, 10, 15 years ago or something when I was younger uh, as effectively a kind of average composite of all of my friends. What's the phrase? Um, you're as good as the company you keep. I just realized recently that in a way that's kind of how I approach my professional life, which is, as, as Varun said, you have this, I can't remember where I first saw this, um, but it's not my idea of, of having a virtual board in your head or a bench of, of mentors or whatever you want to call them. And you don't even have to know any of these people, right? So in my virtual board, I've got kind of, I don't know, 10 or 15 people and their voice pipes up at a particular moment. There's one person in particular who talks to me every day, even though he doesn't know it, because I, I, I learned so much from how this person operates. Without even thinking about it, I'll be going about my, my day and the voice will pipe up and say, well, what would this person say? But, you know, there could be people in there that I don't know, right? So it was, I read this, uh, this suggestion that this person said that their virtual mentorship, virtual board includes Jeff Bezos and uh, Bill Gates and whatever, various other people who, about whom so much is written and they have written so much that you can kind of hear what, what they're thinking. So I think, um, yeah, very much like Baron, it's this kind of constant reference points in your, in your mind that build a composite picture um that that help you uh navigate the, the the choices in front of you it also speaks to why we started the podcast right it is very much helping people learn from founders who have been there and done it um you don't have to know them you don't have to have a conversation with them you can just listen in and learn from them yeah that's a really great concept i think you know one of the reasons why we were so excited to get you two on is because obviously there's so many different layers to your mentorship relationship and personally I relate to it that's the relationship that I have with James um, whether he likes to um, <laughs> um, accept it or not um, so so yeah I think Freddie you kind of touched on how boundaries um, sometimes blend together and how you know sometimes you need to take a step back and really make sure that your mentorship conversations and you know Baron, you mentioned your quarterly dinners as well, that they don't just turn into work chat. But I'd be interested to dig a bit more into that and for you to just tell us how do you actually make that happen? How do you separate your mentorship from your a normal line manager one-to-one, -one, if you will, if you do that? And, and yeah, just any advice on how you do that? Again, there's no hard and fast rules, right? I don't think there are switches that I turn on that proactively I think there are there's a couple of ways to think about this I mean it's definitely a complex topic you know it's something that I can do get wrong because there are there are so many different hats to be worn right and if you wear the wrong hat deliver the wrong message at the wrong time if I have a professional development point that I want to convey to Varen that relates to Patch delivering that message and this is something other I guess uh, managers will recognize delivering that message mid-workflow, mid-day can be really off-putting and, and very much have the opposite effect of intended. Delivering that message in a structured professional development conversation, you know, once every other week, whatever it might be, is a better format. But then there might be, if you will, high-level conceptual career direction points, which again, need to be in the right context. So you definitely need to think about 
one of my colleagues said recently, and I, I can't get this out of my mind, that the medium is the message. So if we're having a dinner, Varen and I, that is the medium. The tone is set very clearly for us to talk about Varen's ambitions outside of PAC, right? Which is something that we've always talked about and I think is a very healthy conversation, but not on like a check-in on a Thursday afternoon when we've got deliverables on the go, right? So I think it's just being aware. I think calling it out probably and just saying like, this is the time when we're talking about this thing or this is the time when we're talking about this thing. We used to do that proactively, I think a bit more because we were learning about that at the same time. And again, I come back to this point that both of us are inexperienced in our own way of what we're doing, you know, as a founder and, and as, as a first time employee. So there's a bit of trial and error there. But I think again, come back to that word I used earlier, which is trust. I think if, if you can build trust over time, it in a way allows you to kind of navigate these mistakes and, and develop the right formats. And so where I have got it wrong, I think Varen has been able to come back and say, look, he believes, I think, that where I've made those mistakes, they've been innocent. He's not had a good experience as a direct result, but then given me the time and space to correct it, he's been able to kind of resolve it. And, and again, I think this is just why regular professional development catch-ups, one-on-ones are so important. You have to have that release valve. You have to have that space that says, look, this thing happened the other day. You raised this thing in the wrong context or whatever. And here's how that made me feel. And, and that's why it wasn't productive. If you don't have that release valve, you're never going to be able to force correct. So yeah, with a few structure elements in there. Um, and yeah, just being able to call it out when you're moving between modes. Yeah, that, I think that's great advice. And I think it's just even taking the step to having that quarterly touch point in the diary, right? So I think that can make all the difference. Amazing. And then I think, you know, you kind of touched on, you have gotten things wrong, like all of us do. Um, so I just love to talk about that a little bit more. I mean, you know, how did you navigate it when you got stuff wrong? And, you know, have there been any awkward conversations that needed to be had on either sides um, when you were switching between direct reports versus a friendly mentor? Yeah, and nothing specifically. It's I think it's more just, yeah, I mean, recognising, underscoring basically all of the interaction is trust. We've, over the last couple of years, built up a strong relationship. That means that there is always a recognition that there is mutual respect, both for ability, but also as people. And I think having that as the underlying kind of anchor to the relationship is key. Because where, whenever something does, you know, go wrong, where it might be a conversation that might be a little bit tricky, and actually the delivery maybe was a little bit poor because of external circumstances, you know, lots going on in the business or life just being life, having openness i think open dialogue has basically been the thing that has allowed us to manage those various formats of, of conversations by just being like open and honest i think that's probably a feature of freddie and i as people but also like the working environment at patch as a result there is this really really great place where i think people feel like very empowered to um to share how they're feeling and do it and like deliver that in a sensitive way. So where there might be an awkward conversation, you find the right moment to send that message in a sensitive way where the other person also recognizes that there's never anything personal behind it, but more just a, okay, here's like an acknowledgement of what has just happened. And like, maybe let's try it differently next time. And I think that's basically been the approach for all of our conversations. That's really great advice. Um, so now we've spoken before um, today, and I know that 
Baron, you're looking to move on from Patch. So I'd love to learn a bit more about that dynamic shift and how are you both navigating this upcoming new chapter for both of you? So I think the last couple of years have been really fascinating, um, both, you know, being at Patch, but also just kind of like witnessing the dynamic of our relationship changing, because I think one, as Freddie said, it's the first time that that's probably, we're both experiencing quite a few things at the same time. So seeing how that relationship has changed over time has been really, I think, interesting. I think for me, it's been really interesting in seeing Freddie have to work things out, you know, like, as he said, like things don't always go right. And we both can get things wrong but seeing someone who you, you can look up to or, or, or respect for their accomplishments also have to work things out is quite a, a unique position to sit in where there's like a lot of vulnerability that is on display and so thinking about how I want to move on and, and figure out what to do next I think has stemmed from that because there's just been this openness in that dynamic where there is like vulnerability there and so working out what I want to do next even though you know in the interest of patch Freddie might want me to stay there's just been like a, like a really like lovely openness and support that's kind of underscored everything so as the dynamics changing I'm like really looking forward to also kind of speaking about patch from being outside of the business you know I care about the product and, and the people and so you know, there'll definitely inevitably be updates on how things are going. And I think it'd be quite nice to hear about it, not being completely in it all the time. And I think it will also give Freddie and I a bit of space. You know, we've spent a lot of time together over the last, you know, just over two years in many different capacities, both in the office, having company getaways to, you know, staying in chance a day in, day, day out at the Premier Inn when we were opening our first site. So there's been a lot of, you know, like really, really fun conversation, but it's, you know, it's also, I think having a bit of distance and coming back and realigning will be like a really valuable part of the growth and development of that relationship. And I really, you know, hope that, well, I know that, you know, we'll stay in touch and there'll be a lot of like, yeah, just interesting opportunities to explore how that develops. Um, I'd also say that in my search for figuring out what to do next. Freddie has been, I mean, incredibly supportive and I feel very lucky to have found a an environment for my first full-time job post-university that is so incredibly supportive where it's extending of networks. It's, how can I help you do this? Let's workshop this together over dinner. And this is Freddie, but also Paloma and Ben and like, you know, so many people within the company who are like very, very generously giving up time because they're like genuinely invested in the development of the people around them. I'm quite grateful to know all these people. Part of Baron referring to, I think, is a culture that he he reflects. I mean, Baron is the first hire in the company, right? And it's not really that surprising that he and I are on your podcast talking together about how much we both uh, are engaged in this topic of mentorship, right? Which, again, like. It's a little bit self-reflective, perhaps, um, but at the same time, you know, he then talks about Paloma and Ben and others and Jesse in, in the company who are supportive of his professional development. And you asked earlier, Hannah, what what the I think motive or the incentive is, you know, why we're we doing this. You know, let's let's not beat around the bush, right? It's also about building a really strong company brand and a company culture that attracts more people like that. So I don't think it's a surprise that we now have other people in the business who reflect that same ambition all of whom could be on this podcast talking about mentorship in their own way because they're all passionate about it. And they're all passionate about it because we're trying to hire and build a company in that image. And that is something that Baron has himself um, accentuated and helped promote as a culture internally. I've been asking a lot of people in the company recently to read 
the Ben Horowitz's book, What You Do Is Who You Are. And that is a phrase that we're starting to refer to a lot internally because it's such a simple reflection of certainly how I think about culture, just in, in a phrase. So, you know, Varen talks about going on to become an external promoter of patch. That is an extremely important foundational principle for, as I see it, the success of patch in the future is to be able to find, attract and retain the very, very best people to work at patch because that's how we're going to grow patch. And so, you know, it's my belief that uh, the most talented and ambitious people are mostly motivated by their own personal development. And so if we can set that culture clearly early, you know, that really is probably the most important thing that I've hired for up until this point. That has a, um, an exponential impact on the people that we're able to hire. And that in turn is the biggest driver of exponential growth, I hope, in the business in the future. So it's sort of true to who I am and to who Varen is, et cetera. But I just want to, I guess, be clear for the founders and listeners, and I'm sure a lot of them will agree with this anyway, that it is like a very, it is actually quite specific strategic choice as well for the business. My perspective on this is that is true. And I'm sure the audience for this pod- podcast would like that reflection that Freddie's kind of just given. But I would say the driving force of any interaction should come from not like, strategy but care about people and I think that therefore reflects how a business operates and how a company culture is formed is through acting authentically and from like a genuine care and passion for the people around you but I'm sure the way that Freddie's articulated that very very well formatted for for an audience who are looking for, for that kind of thing. It's really interesting this topic because I think how you treat people particularly that are on the way out of the business and being accepting of that and supportive of that and encouraging it because there are times in startup life where it's really really important that people move on and actually initially in the first few years of JBM that was I found that incredibly difficult I was like why would I want to let the best people go it's actually often really important for the business and as a leader as well to go through that process and I see so many founders make the mistake of taking it too personally and acting out on it that has real ramifications internally the relationship with the person that's leaving and then externally to your employer brand it's always been something i've been incredibly wary of and even if i've wanted somebody to not leave jbm i've worked really hard to ensure that we you know and the team that were really transparent and that we really make sure that relationship stays really strong and so much so that we've had a boomerang employee that's come back uh you know 18 months later uh has now been with the business in total for over five years and and then also create advocates in the industry like freddie said about the importance of growing and attracting great talent and retaining great talent a lot of it's about the broader ecosystem i believe if you are empathetic and thoughtful and considered and helpful when talent is leaving your business you create amazing advocates in the industry that actually is stronger than anything else when it comes to uh, that sort of stuff um so just a point which is, is clearly what you're doing in your relationship how do you make sure that you support baron and not have this background driver of oh but you know i'd love to keep him at patch in my mind it's kind of do absolutely and i said this to him when he joins i said to everyone when they join you know if they ever decide to leave i do my absolute hardest to, to, to retain people um but, you know, ultimately, if somebody decides to leave, if I really can't find any other way of navigating that outcome, then my next job is to support them as best I can. And that's quite straightforward because all of a sudden I have an incredible, well, incredibly talented person. And I know that other people want to meet incredibly talented people. So it's very easy for me to, well, give him advice. You know, we talked about how I can help him directly, but... In a way, it's very easy for me to call people up and say, hey, would you speak to Byron because X, Y, Z, you know, you're looking at other things. 
the first thing that that person say back to me is thank you. <laughs> so again, like it's important to understand the transactional dynamics here, right? Which is that one is only in this position because I care about uh, Baron's development and growth. You can't just fake that. But there is this dynamic where you actually then benefit, you as the introducer, let's say, as the broker of a new relationship can actually end up benefiting both sides. It's something I thought about a lot. I've, only, well, I've tried to start a company on this basis at, at EF, funnily enough. And, I mean, it's not dissimilar to what JBM does um, in a way. You know, it's kind of um, introducing one set of good people to another set of good people and the quality of that interaction, kind of matching people of a similar enthusiasm and ability you as the person in the middle are compensated that, right? Now that can be financial compensation, it could be reputational compensation, it could be, you know, whatever. I mean, and I think, as I say, like, I really want people at Patch to have the most incredible careers there and I want people to build careers over a long period and be hyper, hyper successful. And part of that also means celebrating their when they move on because otherwise it's insincere. If you say that you really care about someone's development growth, potential success, et cetera, et cetera, and you only mean it within the context of your own company, then there's no way that you mean what you're saying because no matter who you are, and I would probably go so far as to say myself, well, it has to it obviously has to include myself as the founder. Companies and people are totally different things. And to pretend that a company's trajectory is exactly aligned with an individual's trajectory is, is obviously a nonsense. And so if you really say that you care about someone's trajectory, you have to accept that that will at some point deviate from the company's trajectory. And I think, you know, as, as, as you mentioned earlier, how you behave when somebody leaves in a way reflects how genuinely you meant it in the first place when you said you care about someone's growth. Everyone promises the world at the beginning of any kind of relationship or contract or whatever, but when it comes to an end, you see whether those under underlying values were actually true and whether they also apply in the flip scenario. I love that you kind of frame it as, oh, it's a no-brainer, but it speaks so much to who you are as a founder because it is very refreshing to hear the way that you you approach it. I think, you know, just to be very clear, like I, I do this because I care about doing it, but again, for, for I guess the other founders on your podcast, to me, it's, it's you can also frame it as a very simple transaction you know, which, which accrues benefit to you and, and the organization around you and that's not why I do it but it's it, it just also makes sense it makes business sense as well as making kind of uh you know emotional sense because I think there are so many decisions that you have to make as a founder all the time you can't always do the thing that you know to be sort of emotionally true or kind of spiritually or socially true and sometimes you have to make business decisions right the broader topic of talent is like a perfect opportunity where those two things are in absolutely in concert no i love that there's that famous richard branson quote of train people well enough so they can leave treat them well enough so they don't want to and i would just add to that uh, but also uh, allow them to go because sometimes they need to go there's so much in that conversation and great advice all around so thank you very much before we kind of close i really want to get some practical advice for mentees and mentors as well one of the reasons we started this podcast is because we kept having people saying i really want to mentor but i don't know where to start i don't know where to get one i'm you know there's some imposter syndrome there around whether i should even have a mentor or deserve one which is, is crazy but there's clearly a lot of people out there that, that really want one so Varen, what's your advice on the best way to find one how do you determine who's best suited to you for me it is the people I interact with who I come across through work or otherwise, there might be a conversation or they might be in a position that I'm quite interested by. Having had a conversation with them, 
I'm like inspired by what they do or I'm just curious about what they do. And so send them a message and ask them, do you mind having a chat? But I think, you know, there's a mentor that, uh, of mine, a guy called Rob Stevenson, who was one of our first members in Chelmsford. Um, he's actually also the CEO of Techspace, which is a co-working company and just an all-round lovely guy. And when we met him very early on, I just asked him, would you be up for like some form of mentorship? And uh, he was like really, really up for it. So I think, I guess the worst thing that can happen is people say no. I think also just framing it as like a coffee and then seeing what happens is also useful. I think asking for a mentor or asking someone to be a mentor can often be like a little bit daunting because it implies a lot of structure necessarily. And also the framing of that relationship feels quite unnatural to me. Like I think walking up to someone and saying, can you be my mentor feels a bit strange. But if you say, hey, I'm really interested in what you're doing, would love to chat a little bit more. And I've also got this problem I'd like to solve. Probably feels like a more natural framing. Otherwise, I haven't done this personally, but I know there are organizations. So I spoke on a podcast for OK Mentor with another mentor of mine, Penny Finati, who was part of that organization and they provide mentorship for women. And I thought they were great. So I'm sure there's like lots of avenues through organizations that are specifically set up for mentorship to find a mentor. I think they're great. So I recommend that. And then also just people on LinkedIn, like just have to send a message to, you know, profiles that you think are interesting. Because again, the worst that can happen is they ignore you or say no. But realistically, a lot of people feel quite, whilst they might be pressed for time, feel quite flattered by someone reaching out, asking for their advice. So definitely just worth kind of asking where you see someone you find interesting i don't think it's necessarily a case of like being a good fit because if it's not the right thing you'll probably know after one or two conversations and that's totally fine because you've had a conversation with a new person and what's wrong with that let it be organic no that's such good advice and freddie i guess on the flip side how do you like to be approached by mentees what makes you commit to that relationship are there any traits or experiences that you particularly look for before you invest time in that sort of uh, partnership one very simple lesson here that i was taught by one of my first mentors which is invest 10x in your mentor whatever time they give you invest 10x back and it applies from selection so thinking very carefully about who you want to approach what you're going to say to them why does you need their help to any intervening uh, period between meetings invest 10x it's just the most simple advice and the reason is you are competing for that person's time and whoever the mentor is by definition they're probably quite experienced and probably quite busy and they have a lot of people asking them a lot of things and you need to think of yourself as selling to them right you're pitching them for some of their time, which is hugely compressed, not only between professional needs and by the way, the professional development needs of their own teams, if that person is not in your organization, but also their personal lives. And also there's just also a level of mental energy. So be very careful about who you approach, what you say to them, why you think that they're the right person and be convinced of that yourself, not just to them. Demonstrate to them that what you're asking is authentic. And the best way to show that is to say, you know, I've thought about the advice you've given me, I've gone away and I've done these, you know, these various things, and now I need your help on the next stage. Because that, if that person feels like they are putting energy into something that is not then, in a way, that investment is not returning, then what's the point? Because somebody else could use that time much better. So invest 10x. Great advice. And just a, a final question from me, for anyone listening to this has been inspired to go out and become a mentor to others. If I could get maybe one attribute from you both that a good mentor really needs to have. Varun, I'll start with you. What is a, an attribute that a mentor should have? Caring. 
like genuinely caring about what you're doing because I think if you're not invested in in the relationship there's probably no point you being there I might cheat and say like listen I think also just people in those positions need to be able to kind of like receive what they're hearing and like digest it and then provide something of guidance back and often it's quite easy to hear something and maybe relate it to your own experience without maybe recognizing the context that the person you're trying to help is in so like really trying to yeah just be like be a good listener and be and care about the relationship are probably the two that i'd say great thank you and freddie one attribute from you i think the first is build on what baron said which is to listen take a beat and be very selective about the advice that you're giving make sure that you don't just say the things that you want to say because that's quite common for all of us in lots of different scenarios but really understand where is that person in their context what is the right level of advice that you can give them and what are the things that they're not asking because they don't know how to ask you have responsibility to make that leap for them and introduce information that may sound like it's off topic so yeah take a moment be selective listen very carefully and you have a responsibility not to overwhelm um, and to be selective and careful about the message that you deliver and the second is, is honesty i think the worst thing you can do as a mentor is just effectively if you are not giving hard messages or if you are not being, you don't have to give them in a hard way, but you may not want to say the thing the person needs to hear, then you are effectively deceiving them and you are limiting their growth capacity. So you need to face into the truth, whatever that is, because that person will listen to you. You can abuse that and you can you know, really upset someone and blow their confidence. You need to understand that in the right way, the selective hard messages will have a hundred times more effect than constant sort of um, um, chivying on of the direction that someone's going in. Such a good point. Thank you, Freddie. Amazing. Well, I feel like we could continue talking for hours, um, but as we wrap up, just got two final questions for you both. So for any aspiring mentees or mentors listening to today's episode, what final piece of advice do you want to leave them with? Do it because you care. And if you don't care, then don't do it. Be yourself, you know, find out who you are, where you can be most useful and how you want to go about it, but but, but only do it because you can. I think one of the things I um, have spoken to about uh, with like some of my peers is that there are like connotations that come with what mentorship is just ex- externally. And so then people come into these relationships with like preconceived ideas of how to interact. And that can, I think, be like create a facade between the two people who are trying to have like honest interaction and actually probably interferes with what both people can get out of the uh, the relationship. So I'd say just like act how you would be yourself. And I think you'll, you can get a lot out of it. Yeah. Amazing. And finally, outside of your existing mentorship relationships, who would be your dream mentor, dead or alive, and why? Personally, like, don't think I've ever had like idols. There's never been, oh, I really, really, really want to do this thing or be like this person specifically. There have been people who I've met along the way who I think I have a lot of admiration and respect for, but I also, for the purpose of this quite like light-hearted question, will say Leanne Le Havas, who I believe was mentored by Prince and is like an awesome, awesome, awesome musician. So I would, you know, any time that I could get learning how to do something on stage would be pretty cool. Amazing. Thank you so much both uh, for your time and for all of your insights today. Really appreciate it. Thank you for having us. Thanks both. Real pleasure. Looking forward to seeing you both again soon.
Thank you so much for tuning into this new feature series. James and I really hope you enjoy this deep dive into mentorship and it will be super helpful in your search for either a mentor or a mentee. If you have any more questions on this topic, please feel free to get in touch with us at info at jbmc.co.uk. And don't forget to connect with both Freddie and Baron. We've left links to their LinkedIn profiles in the show notes. That's all from us today, but make sure you tune back in next week for another Mentorship Deep Dive. See you then. Mm-hmm.